one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I am Kate Spencer. And I am Dori Shafrir. And we're not experts. No, but we're two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And friendly reminder, you can visit our website, Forever 35 Podcast, for links to everything we mentioned on our show. You can find us on Instagram at Forever 35 Podcast. You can also join the Forever 35 Facebook group where the password to join is serums. And you can shop our favorite products at shopmy.us slash forever35. Sign up for our newsletter at forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. And do call or text us at 781-591-0390 or email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. Also, if you are listening to this on February 22nd, the day it comes out, Mm tonight, tonight, we are doing our live show. If the show hasn't gone on yet, you know, if it's come before one, come yeah, if it's before 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, you can still get tickets at moment.co slash forever35. And it's gonna be super fun. There's also gonna be an after party. It's just exclusive merch. Exclusive merch. We have there we have a lot planned. So we have I a hope, lot planned. I hope to we're see very you. excited. Yes, we're very excited. And like it, you could be listening to this. It could be happening right now. That's what's so magical about time. Yes, Kate. <laughs> Sorry. I'm delirious. I'm so tired. Is, I'm like blown away by time today. About time. time is magical, Tori. <laughs> time is magical. Oh, well, Kate, as you observed when I logged on, I have gotten a haircut. But I do want to just acknowledge the fact that I saw you in person the day that you received the haircut and I didn't notice. And I'm I'm you normally what, a good though, haircut noticer. You did tell me that my hair looked nice. Oh, okay. So Which I which I also don't like that I did that because I don't like comment I shouldn't be commenting on appearance. That's something I'm like trying to be it's aware okay. of when I do. Okay. I appreciate it. Well your it. hair does and did look nice. Well, so thank you so much. Um so <laughs> this was funny. I you know, I'm like settling into the chair and we're talking about like what I want to do. And I said, well, I have to tell you to my hairstylist, I said, I have to tell you that I've been feeling like lately, it's been really hard to style my hair that I just have like all these flyaways, like it ends up looking kind of frizzy and like, I don't know. I was like, it 
like if I blow dry it, it looks just sort of dry and and like I've static or like, you know, just like hairs coming out everywhere. And so I was basically like, like, what is happening? Is my hair breaking? Like, what is going on? And she looks at my hair and then she like looks at my scalp and she's like, no, you're growing new hairs. What? And that's why you have all these like short hairs everywhere because those are newer hairs. And I think this is just like my postpartum hair regrowth, like finally. It takes that long. I mean, I get like I I did have a lot of it grow back because I remember, you know, a couple years ago her saying to me, oh, you're getting like regrowth. It started like I forgot the first regrowth kind of on my on the back, like the back of my neck hairline. Mm. Um, And but now it's kind of more on the top, she said, which makes sense because that's what I'm seeing. So that was interesting. And she's like, no, your hair is really healthy. Like, why would your hair be breaking? (laughs) Oh, weird. And I was like, I don't know. That's why I was like so confused. You're like, it's all this prose. I look at how good my hair is looking. (sighs) Um, So that was just kind of funny and like a funny like reframe Mm -hmm. in a way. (laughs) Well, because growing hair and broken hair, I can see how they look the same. Yeah. To the the layperson's eye. Right. Because all I'm seeing are these little hairs sort of like sprouting and then hairs of like different lengths. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like just like, what is going on? Like, is all of my hair breaking? Like, I don't understand. And I was very confused by it. And didn't it did not even occur to me that this could possibly be regrowth. Dory, I'm proud of you. Thank you. Wait, why? <laughs> Just like, I don't know. I just feel like you're having a, like, I'm happy that you are, I feel like the hair has been a thing that you have discussed on the podcast before. I mean, like, we've talked about hair removal, but also like talking about hair loss and thinning hair and all these kind of feelings about hair. And it, it honestly sounds like you kind of went into it, even though you had thought it was breaking and actually it's growing, like, kind of at peace with it no matter what Mm. is it possible i'm projecting no i think i think that like yeah i think you're right in the sense also of like i wasn't i was just like okay this is my hair right yeah this is what it is so i don't know it's interesting our bodies are surprising god are they ever our bodies are, I mean, my hair's, first of all, my hair's the longest it's been in probably like decades, but I have been um, very actively watching makeup tutorials from teenagers online Ooh. and on TikTok. It's wild out there, Dory. And? Like, I, I need to, like, I'm like watching a, a 14-year-old putting on niacinamide on, on their face and I'm like, what am I, what am I getting from this slash why are you doing this teen interesting i know i'm a little i'm i I think i need to get off tiktok again okay it's not it's not (laughs) having a positive impact on your mental health i don't i 
TikTok is like its own kind of weird wormhole that I'm still grappling with, like how it's impacting my life. You know, like it's still, I don't know. I, I find it like triggers the dopamine hit that we seek from our phones in a really intense way, but it also kind of, it also kind of then leads to other things like kind of impulse shopping and a lot of stuff that all happens so fast. I almost don't even realize that it's happening. Mm. Um, and I'm not sure why you talking about hair made me think about that, but I just, I've noticed like, and I also notice like the, I'll watch one thing and then my algorithm will like shift over to being all of that thing mm. without me really having much mm. control over it. Mm-hmm. And I, I just am, it, I think it actually, here's what kind of got me thinking about it. In my quest for kind of neutrality and acceptance, I find that the constant watching of these videos sends me away from that. It like swings the pendulum in the other direction. And I'm not sure that I can kind of achieve some of the goals I have for myself in terms of like caring for myself and my mental health while also participating in some of these apps. Ooh, Kate, this is heavy. Again, I didn't get much sleep last night, so I'm working through these things on like a tired person's brain, but that just kind of made me think of that. It's been a busy week over here, so I'm a little bit like fried and also kind of just like pondering the world. Yeah. I hear you. Hmm. 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 Well, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say our guest today is someone who ponders the world in a helpful yes. way. Good segue. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty, pretty good segue. It was. Um, I we, we would love to introduce Cindy Spiegel. She's a best-selling author, an in-demand speaker and storyteller, the founder of Dear Grown Ass Women, which is a hyper-inclusive social community for women 35 plus, which like I just want to note, we see 35 sees 35. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh Cindy describes her life as being a little more than, excuse me, Cindy describes her life as being more than a little eventful. She grew up on food stamps in New York, the youngest child of a black father and a white Jewish mother. And in her 20s, she traveled the world as a fashion executive, later became a professor at Parsons School and the Fashion Institute of Technology. And then in her words at 35, she quote, imploded her life, quit her professor jobs, and completely changed careers. And then her first book, A Year of Positive Thinking, came out in 2018, which, you know, offers little bursts of courage and affirmation while steering clear of toxic positivity, which we appreciate. Mm. And her new book, Microjoys, Finding Hope, Especially When Life is Not Okay, is out next week. Or excuse me, yes, it's out next week on the 28th. And it, it kind of grew out of a very, very awful year in 2020. Um, and we, we get into, into all of it with her. It's an amazing conversation. Yeah. So we are going to be right back with Cindy. You know, one thing I think is really kind of interesting about skin, my skin, but all skin is that like what it needs now in my forties is not what I needed in my 30s. Totally. Definitely not what I needed in my 20s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, how are you supposed to know 
what your skin needs. It's hard. It's hard to know. Especially when there's just like so many products out there. The overwhelm is real. It's a struggle to even know how to get the results you want, what products to start with. This is why we're super excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed medications that are clinically proven to help. I have used Apostrophe. I love it. They will pair you with a board-certified dermatologist who literally creates a personalized treatment plan for your skin. I have done this a few times now. It is so easy to do their online consultation. You upload photos And like within a few weeks, I had done the consultation and received my treatment plan and my product. Amazing. And that is how I became a Tretinoin gal. I love the Tretinoin that they sent me. I love their sunscreen. Both products have been amazing on my skin. And you, Forever 35 listeners, can get a special deal from Apostrophe. You can get your first visit for only $5.00. That's at apostrophe.com slash forever35 when you use our code forever35. Now, that is a savings of $15. I like that. This code is only available to Forever 35 listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash forever35 and click get started. And then use our code forever35 at sign up and you will get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. I am the first to admit that gift giving is not easy for everyone. It's taken me a long time to become like a halfway decent gift giver. But what I have learned is that the best way to win the gift giving game is to gift memories. Ooh. Yes. And you know how you do that, Kate? I'm I'm ready. I'm listening. The Aura digital mm-hmm. frame mm-hmm. preloaded with decades of family photos. We have gifted this to many people. And when you gift this, your family will love looking back on childhood memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating the frame with new photos. So it's really the gift that keeps on giving. It's super easy to set up. It takes literally two minutes. You download the app. You set up the Wi-Fi. Boom. You're good to go. Yep. We have given this to my parents. We've given Mm -hmm. this to Matt's parents. Mm -hmm. Same, same. It's so easy because you can add photos from the app like anytime you want. And also like my brother has the app so he can add photos from his family. My sister has the app so she can add photos. My parents also have it. So they also add their own photos. That is one of the coolest parts I think of the Aura Frame is that everybody can contribute. Yes. I love that about uh, we have two aura frames in our house i have Ooh. one in my office and yeah and one in our family room and do my they kids have love do it. they have the same pictures on them no they have different pictures <gasps> Ooh, mm-hmm. oh, that's interesting maybe i should get one from my office I'm looking at a picture of my in, children right now right interesting mm-hmm. hmm. putting that away for later store that Yes. Uh, The Aura app lets you share photos more securely than with email, which is what many other digital frames require. And also, then you're not taking up your email storage. So, win-win. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Forever 35 listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code forever35 at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
Now, look, I don't know about you, but when I hold on to some negative feelings, it really starts to impact my day to day. I get a little snippy and short with the people in my life. Things start to really feel overwhelming. And look, it's just generally not great for me or for the people that I am interacting with. And I do find that my time in therapy is a real safe space to get those things off my chest and figure out how to work on and work through things that are weighing on me Mm. or maybe weighing on you. For example, like I have actually really been working on mindfulness in therapy. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Easier said than done, but that's the work, right? Like just learning about kind of like really creating a breathing practice and paying attention to my physical body and my feelings. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and to learn productive coping skills. If you're thinking about trying therapy, try BetterHelp. It's convenient and accessible anywhere because it is 100% online. All it takes to get started is filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash forever35 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash forever35. I think it's safe to say that we have suffered through bras. We've been uncomfortable in them. We've devoted whole episodes to finding good ones. But I'm here to say enough is enough. 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 I mean, Dory, have I ever told you? Have I ever told you what I did in college when I needed a bra to wear with a fancy dress? What? I cut the top of pantyhose and then I duct taped that to my chest. Oh. Sounds uncomfortable. Because <laughs> I, I didn't have honey love when I was in college. No. Well, we are here to say no more being uncomfortable. With no. Honey, no. With Honey Love's bras, you will wonder why it took so long to make something so comfortable and so supportive. There's no underwire, but through some kind of wonderful magic, they managed to not sacrifice lift. All while making it in a fabric that's so comfortable, you barely know it's there. Especially the crossover bra. I wear one of these almost every day. I'm wearing one right now because it's so comfortable and it easily fits into my life. But if you like a breathable and versatile legging, Honey Love has you covered on that front too. Plus, they have tanks, shapewear, and their V-bra that has molded cups still without the underwire to keep you from getting that dreaded uniboob effect other more relaxed bras tend to give you. So treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After your purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we send you. Treat yourself to Honey Love because you deserve it. Cindy, welcome to Forever 35. We're thrilled to have you here. And we like to start every interview asking our guest about a self-care practice in your life. And um, it's perfect because your your book to me represents something that I think is a massive part of self-care, um, which we will talk about. But first, is there something that you do in your everyday life that you consider as self-care? 
Yes, yeah, so many of them. This mm-hmm. is this is the problem with folks with no kids. All we do is care for ourselves. I'm kidding. That's, that's not true. I mean, mo- mostly I mean, it's not true. Sometimes. <laughs> kind of not true. Um, but no, I actually have a, I'm going to turn my video, not that anybody else will see this, but I have a huge ritual around uh, for evening and when I start my work day. So by my bedside, I have about three or four different aura sprays, a lot of essential oils. Mm. I have hand cream. I have lip balm. And I essentially have a duplicate of that in my office because it sets the tone. Now, my husband has to wait like 15 minutes for me to settle into bed because I have a whole thing. But (laughs) uh, it really does sort of set the tone. And it's been really helpful while working from home to have a differentiator between, you know, sort of evening bedtime and then waking up and beginning to work. Are you a sensory person? I like that you you know you mention a spray and oils and and hand cream like all those things really kind of connect with all the different senses. Is that something yes. that resonates with you? Very much. Even in my writing, I think I get way too into detail because I'm so sensory and I'm so visual. Um so for me there's something really grounding about using my senses to mm. wind down as opposed to just laying down, you know, it really is Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's very touch heavy. So yes. Yeah. Mm. Very. I love that. I'm a smell person. So I love the, Mm. the idea of a scent kind of differentiating a time or a mood or setting yourself up for what's next. I think that's really powerful. Mm. Also a lot of skincare, but that's a different question. A lot of skincare. Oh, it is. But it's a question we'll ask. Um, So (laughs) just, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hold that thought because we'll ask that before we wrap up. Um, But I wanted to kind of start where you kind of start Microjoys, which is talking about how you have gone through a massive transformation since the beginning of 2020. And I like how you call it in the book, the time that I lived through the hardest things. And you really go into a lot of the grief and loss that you experienced. So just so our listeners can kind of get a sense for what that was like for you, can you can you kind of give us the background on the last few years of your life and how it's kind of led to this book? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start off by saying in 2018, I wrote a book called The Year of Positive Thinking. In 2020, when shit hit the fan, I just didn't know who I was anymore because here's what happened in 2020. Uh, three months into the pandemic, the same weekend that George Floyd was killed, my 32-year-old nephew was murdered walking to a friend's house. Um, my nephew lived with my mom and she's the one who answered the door to the police at two o'clock in the morning to, to get that news. And four months later, my mom passed away unexpectedly. Mm. Uh, shortly after that, within possibly a month or so, my 49-year-old brother had a stroke and then immediately went into cardiac arrest and spent the next 10 weeks in the ICU. So my family had instantly become very, very tiny. Uh, so the only ones left, or it felt like at that point, was my oldest brother who had just lost his son and his mother and me to sort of hold it down. And so we spent much of that time, literally three times a day, and I talk about this in the book, calling the ICU, because it was in the middle of a pandemic and we couldn't visit my brother for two and a half months, which is 10 weeks. Uh, my brother did come home and he's still healing. It is a lifetime process at this point. Uh, and when he came home, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So it just felt like life kept coming. And I'll back up a tiny bit to say that after my nephew was killed, 
that is the sort of thing that happens on TV. It happens in true crime podcasts. It doesn't happen to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone will say that until it happens to them, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I didn't recognize myself anymore in the sense that I have always been an eternal optimist, always. Um, and after my nephew was killed, it was so senseless that I could not make it make sense. I couldn't find anything to be happy about. I couldn't find anything to be positive about. And so even though I had been such an advocate for positive thinking and still am to this day, you know, everything that I knew lacked the nuance that I needed at that point to mm-hmm. really move forward. And that's really where where microjoys came from is is me sort of really beginning to understand on a much deeper level that joy was not binary. You know, it wasn't good vibes only. I mean, I already knew that then. Um, But it was this idea that I would have to learn from that point forward to hold two very opposite truths, grief in one hand and joy in the other at the exact same time. And with the way everything just kept coming, I just saw no way out. And so it really happened in these tiny, almost macro moments uh, that these things would appear in front of me, that I started to shift my perspective on joy. And that's that's sort of the foundation of micro joys. I, you know, I, I mentioned this to Dory before we, we hopped on with you, but I, as a person, I've written a book about grief after my mom died. And mm. one of the things that shocked me about grieving was that you could still have like happy moments. It was mm. such, you know, I think I think what you say is so true. We kind of view it before we're in it as either one or the other, you know, similarly to how people can be mourning the loss of a partner or a spouse and also fall in love. You know, these things can coexist. And uh, I I don't think that's something that is talked about a lot or often even accepted. It sometimes feels like we have to make a choice of one or the other. And so, you know, this really resonated with me kind of as obviously as a concept for everybody, but especially I think for folks who are in quote, the hardest things that you, there can be these moments. You know, I'm glad that you said that because I remember after my nephew died feeling not just grieving him, but also feeling like, Oh, for fuck's sake, Cindy, you wrote a book about positive thinking and you can't be positive. (laughs) Right, right. You know, there was this real sense of a binary yeah, of like, it's yeah. either, I should have asked, can I swear? I can swear here. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, no, of course I can swear here. Yes. Um, but, but so then you're holding this sort of shame on top of feeling mm. like garbage because you can't feel good in that moment, you know? And, and when mm. I talk about this a lot, I'm like, I, it, this is not a silver lining. This is simply holding very different feelings at one time, because I think the opposite of that is really just unfortunate because then we start to feel guilty, you know, and we start Mm. to feel shameful about not being able to feel the way the internet tells us to feel or how we perceive the internet telling us to feel in any particular moment, which is all or nothing. You know, Cindy, one of the things that I really appreciated about your book was how sort of actionable it is. Like, after every essay, you give suggestions for kind of exercises that people can do. And I really appreciated that because I think a lot of times people will read a book like this and be like, okay, but 
<laughs> like, what do I do now? So I, I really like that you did that. So with that said, assuming most of our listeners have not read your book yet, could you just walk us through maybe one or two of those exercises um, that you know you felt were kind of maybe most impactful for you in terms of learning to find micro joys? And then I, I also just want to note that I kind of I especially appreciate these exercises because it it sort of reinforces this idea that learning how to find micro joys like is a practice, right? Like it's something that we mm. need to do over and over again. Um, yeah. So anyway, sorry, please. <laughs> yes, nothing to be sorry for. So I'll start by saying that micro joys are really about honing the ability to access joy despite all else. Mm. And that despite all else piece is really important, right? Mm -hmm. So it's about accessing joy. There's not a recipe for micro joys. There is no recipe in this book for finding joy. Instead, there are many different ways based on my own lived experience that I have accessed joy. Um, and one of the things that we, we talked about before we started recording was uh, a store visit. There's an essay called The Spice Shop. And the action really around this, and, and at the end of every essay, it actually says, consider this, is about choosing an ordinary place that we visit and be present for all of the experience. And that just means using your five senses. So walking mm -hmm. into some place that you ordinarily go and allow yourself to really be aware of what you see, the sounds that you hear, the things that you touch, your taste. I'm sure there's a fifth sense. I, I lost it, but it's in there. But the idea is really allowing yourself to be present in that space. You don't even have to leave your house. You can do it from being in your home. But you know, when it comes to accessing joy and finding ways to access them in micro joys, it's really about what is already there. It's you not having to reach so far. It's what is directly in front of you in this moment that can offer you respite in the moments that you need it most. So think about where you are, be where you are, and allow yourself to be fully present for that experience. Because what it does is it pulls you into the moment in a way that very few things will. And to me, it almost gives you a bit of space between whatever else you are going through. Mm. So that's that's one way. Yeah, you know, as I was reading this, I was thinking about I have a son who is almost four. And I was thinking about how kind of seeing how he experiences the world has in a weird way, like allowed me to have more micro joys, because of the things he notices, like, we'll be walking, like, we'll be walking to school, and he'll He'll ask me to stop and smell the rosemary in someone's front oh yard. Oh my goodness! I know oh, it's just so like sweet. oh, <laughs> or like Can he says hi to the crows. It? I know, like he's just like super sweet, and he notices these mm. things that like I've walked by this tree in our neighborhood a thousand times, and the other day he turned around, and he said, "Mama." do you see how that tree is round? And like, uh, he, you know, he like really wanted to talk about the tree. And I was like, yeah. I see it now. I had not noticed that before. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and there, I think there is something about kind of seeing things through a child's eyes that does like allow you to experience these micro joys. And at the same time, yes. having kids can sometimes make experiencing micro joys more difficult. Um, so, I'm wondering, like, you know, as you say in the book, like, but and like, you know, we can yes. hold both and of but. these yeah. things. Yeah. yeah. Um, but do you have any thoughts on how parents, especially parents of young children, can 
kind of, I guess, like welcome micro joys into their lives without these like annoying platitudes of like cherish every moment and you know all that. <laughs> it goes, it goes so fast, only, y'all. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good vibes only. Ooh. Good vibes only, y'all. Well, the first thing I want to acknowledge is I do not have children. I have cats, uh, so you should never take parenting advice from people who do not have kids. But I will say this. Um, Something that I have found incredibly helpful in my own life around all of this is the perpetual reminder that this too shall pass. Yes. No matter how good, no matter how mm. tragic, like everything mm. will pass. Yeah. And I talk a yeah. lot in the book about impermanence and, and how temporary and fleeting everything is. And I think particularly as, as a parent with young children, you know, sometimes I, feel very much like it's about saying, yep, yeah, well, that moment passed and it's okay. It's okay that I didn't do mm. that one right thing in that moment. It's okay that I couldn't tap into my joy in that one right moment. You know, it's also mm. okay that I can walk with my four-year-old and recognize and see things through their eyes. So right. all of it is just this constant reminder of how temporary it is. Yes. You know, that it will pass and you will yes. find room for whatever it is you're hoping to create when you can. And that's it. Yes. Uh, I really, I really appreciate that response. So thank you. <laughs> kind of, kind of on that topic, can you, you talk about this, I think, in all your work, but for our listeners, can you kind of, and for us, help us differentiate between this idea of like finding joy and as you say, good vibes only, toxic positivity, <laughs> this kind of, um, idea that like, just focus on the good and, and all that, like yeah. the, that, that doesn't work for us. So, so how do you kind of walk that line? I think the first thing is, is absolutely understanding that grief and joy coexist, right? This good vibes only mentality that drives me nuts is, is <laughs> telling us all that there's only one way to feel it's, there's mm. a binary, you know, it's either this or it's that. So I think the very first step in all of it is just understanding that everything we feel, the spectrum of emotions and lived experiences, they coexist. So there's a holding of space for both where I think this culture of toxic positivity can sometimes make us feel as though it's one or the other, but very rarely do we hear about feeling both things or several things at one time. You know, I remember after my nephew was killed, it was maybe within a week. One of the things that brought me such deep joy was going through a photo album from when he was a kid. Mm -hmm. Now we're sitting there, I'm sitting there with my family and tears are streaming down our face, but we're just laughing. And we're, we're sort of right back in that moment. Like here's, here's a picture of my nephew and he was in kindergarten, you know? Oh, and, oh. and seeing that though brought me such joy, but it didn't bring him back. It didn't change the hideousness of what happened, right? The tragedy of what happened. And that really, to me, is the difference, is that microjoys, they give us permission to feel all of it and to not feel wrong if if we're more on one part of that spectrum or one end of that spectrum than another. Like, there's no guilt around it. There is yeah. guilt around good vibes only. Even if it's unintentional, and I do believe it is, there's a lot of guilt when you can't feel the good vibes only. Yeah. Yeah. Or just be positive or just look at the positive. I mean, there's so many, as Dory, as you said, just so many yeah. platitudes that are just yeah. ultimately not especially helpful and kind of push us into that guilty space of like, why can't I just 
find the good feel vibes. That way. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, like can be toxic. Yeah, I think. I would say it's it's not only is it not helpful, I think it's deeply harmful. Yeah. Mm. You know, in the sense that to be in the midst of the hardest things and to have to take up brain space considering how this is going to be perceived if I can't feel positive or if somebody tries to, you know, tell you to look on the bright side or they're in a better place, like that is incredibly harmful to the person who is experiencing that. Yeah. And I think oftentimes these phrases don't take into consideration like the systemic issues that can prevent people from having access to joy, right? Yeah. Like, like yeah. that, that, that's completely missing from often these conversations. Um, and, and you actually, it's not missing from the conversations that you have, which I really, really appreciate. Um, I, I wanted to just touch on generational trauma because I think one of the most powerful things you talk about is how joy and micro joys are our birthright and uh, finding these and experiencing joy is a real kind of connection to the legacy of our ancestors and a lot of the generational trauma that has been passed down and is still being passed down mm-hmm. um, just by who we are and who and the families that we are in or the communities that we are in. So could you talk a little bit, a little bit about that um, and, and what it means to, to find joy and thrive um, in a way that connects us to our ancestors? Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. So when I when I think of joy as a birthright, and I I think this is in the preface of the book, you know, I it was really important to me to not hide first and foremost who I am and how I got this way. And I talk in the book, I am a biracial Black Jew. You know, my mom is Eastern European Jewish, second generation. Um, and my father is African American or was, well, he still is, but he's dead. Um, and, you know, I, I jokingly will say to friends sometimes, I'm like, folks been trying to kill us for a very long time and we are still standing. And that is the point in, in that aspect of the book where it's like, look, I come from people, the folks before me that have had to find ways to exist in a world that didn't necessarily want them to exist, whether it be via slavery or the Holocaust, you know, like it is my birthright to be here and experience joy. And I talk early on in the book about growing up quite poor. I didn't know that we were poor because we were loved and things were for the most part, okay. It's oftentimes other people when you include other people in this, that you see the disparities, you know, and writing this book, something that it reminded me of was a black church. You know, Mm. if you've ever been to a black church or a black funeral, now white people walk out of these and they're like, was that a party? Or was that church? Or was that, Mm -hmm. what was that? Because there is music playing and there's stories being told. That to me is the core. It's like the foundation of a micro joys. And that is in my DNA, right? It's this eternal sense of being able to tap into the thing that maybe other people don't understand. It's an optimism given the circumstances that you have that are perhaps systemic or out of your control. It's the ability to find joy in ways that maybe only you can and not needing the outside, whatever that looks like to you to understand that. And that's how I feel based on just the, the, like who I am, what my DNA Mm. is, is my people have always had to find a way to do that, to hold both things. You know, it's interesting too, because 
we've been experiencing, I think, and, and Dory, this is something you and I have talked about, like such collective grief and trauma that is largely going undiscussed and ignored mm-hmm. as we continue to move through this COVID pandemic, as well as so many other things that are are happening in the world around us. Um, and I, it kind of got me thinking about micro joys as communities or like larger human collectives. Do you, do you see that? Like even just, you know, like Rihanna performing last night in the Super Bowl and Rihanna sharing her pregnancy felt like something that we were all like, yay, you know, (laughs) just even these kind of moments as look, and let's acknowledge how problematic the Super Bowl is all that aside. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, I'm, I'm curious about, you know, what it looks like for us to kind of have that connection as we process this collective grief. Something that I've really believed to be true. Now, of course, I wrote this book, so take this with a grain of salt, but I really do believe that we are in this spectacular moment right now. We have lost over a million people in the US alone to COVID, not including every personal loss that we've experienced. In our lifetime, nothing like this has ever happened. We are just trying, we're doing the thing that we humans do, right? We're just trying to move on. We're moving forward. We're moving forward. We're moving forward. We have to honor it as best we can. And this, this joy, micro joys is about holding that too. You know, holding systemic issues, holding racism, holding, you know, uh, uh, the pandemic and quarantine. It's holding all of these things alongside moments of beauty and grace and joy and collective happiness, like, you know, the Super Bowl and seeing that Rihanna was also announcing her pregnancy. It's, it's sort of giving us the space. I think if the last few years, I think one of the things that it has offered us in spite of all else is the, the innate understanding that we can't continue to hide our head in the sand about what is true. And so I think there is this collective moment happening that is hopefully granting folks a little bit of space around learning about being and existing um, and also finding joy there and really moving away from this binary of you're right or you're wrong, because that's a lot of what we've been into. You know, if there's one way and I hope, and I do believe that we're moving into this space of holding all of it. And that's not on an individual level, but on a collective level. Yeah. I hope so. I hope. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, we are back. I'd love to talk a little bit about what you write in your book about friendships, um, in particular, two concepts. One, Freud and Freude, <laughs> um, which, as you write, is the opposite of Schadenfreude. So you, mm. instead of you know feeling joy at others' misfortune, you're feeling joy for others' joy. Um, and then the other thing is this idea of... And, Please correct me if I'm kind of mischaracterizing this, but um, kind of what you wrote about little gifts and checking in with friends. Um, and one of the things that like, I feel like I'm trying to move past as something that I was kind of raised on is this idea that everything has to be like a tit for tat. Um, and, you know, as you point out, it's really nice to just kind of give someone a little gift. Um, so, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about how both of these concepts, the Freud and Freude and these little gifts or checking in with people, like how can we sort of learn to flex that muscle? How can this become a practice, especially for those of us for whom this is very foreign, right? Like this is not something from our families of origin that we were taught. Mm. Yeah. So Freudenfreude is the opposite of Schadenfreude, right? Which is when we are sort of happy at somebody else's misfortune. And mm-hmm. I like to think of it as, um, cause I know someone is, is bound to say, well, I never feel good about someone's misfortune. And I'm like, if you watch fail videos and laugh, you're feeling good about somebody else's misfortune. You know, we have ways of sort of, uh, rewiring our brain to think that that's not what it is. But ultimately, we are laughing at someone else's misfortune, or we think they deserved it. Mm. Freudenfreude is the opposite. And the perfect uh, representation of this that I could think of is if you are in the middle of a public place, let's say Times Square, somebody gets on one knee and they get engaged. Hopefully the other person says yes, but there's this collective sense of happiness, kind of like what we were just talking about a few moments ago with Rihanna announcing her pregnancy, right? It's this feeling of joy for other people's joy. We don't know Rihanna. I mean, I don't know Rihanna. I don't know the person getting engaged in a studio, I mean, in a, in a stadium or Times Square, but we know that feeling. You know, we know the feeling when a child is laughing with delight at something that doesn't make any sense. We know that sort of swelling, that internal happiness that we feel. That is Freudenfreude. And I talk about um, gifting and how gifting is my love language. And something, I don't remember if my husband said, someone said this to me and it's always stuck. And essentially what it is, is I will never feel badly for being more generous rather than less. So when I'm in a difficult mood, 
or just when I'm struggling, one of my ways of stepping outside of it is handwriting a note to a friend, picking up a little something. Now, I just want to be clear. It's not about going and buying cars for people. It's they're small, thoughtful gifts, right? But it takes me out of my own stuff in that moment to peruse a store or a consignment shop or Whole Foods and say, you know, I want to get a little treat for my friend. I'm going to drop it in the mail. I'm not going to tell them it's coming. You know, what ultimately happens is somebody picks up a phone, you call, you get to reconnect. Now, all it was was a tiny thing, but it allows us to sort of borrow the joy of others when we can't quite find our own. And I find that consistently practicing these small acts build up almost a reserve, a reserve of these joys that we can tap into when we need them. And so gifting for me is a very uh, important part of that. And, and I often gift in multiples and it's things I've acquired. It could be anything, but it's this idea of being generous and how it often comes back to us, even if that's not the intention. That makes a lot of sense. I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. Dory. Kate, I'm just going to gonna be... start sending you like little gifts all the time. <laughs> no, but I, I, I was just going to say, I do feel like <gasps> our friendship has that in action a lot of the time, you know, and I, I really appreciate that. Same, same. Thank you, Cindy. Thanks. See Something Thank I'd you. love to, to add to that is, you know, I have a friend who will randomly text me and he'll say, it's Wednesday. I just wanted to tell you how much you mean to us. That's another way of doing it. You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to mail yeah. anything. But I mean, what a cool text is that? It's Wednesday. I just want to tell you how much you mean to us. That That is that sort of generosity. It's generosity in spirit that just continues to give. And do you know how I feel sort of being the receiver of that message? Even if I don't respond back right away, I'm like, there's a little extra pep in my step. Yeah. I feel good, you know? So we're spreading that around in ways that we can. I love that. Well, you did offer to discuss skincare and <laughs> we do love to add, we do talk about skincare a lot. It was kind of yes. the founding conversation we had on this podcast. So Cindy, if, if you feel called to share your skincare practice or any products that you love, um, or even just like your journey as a person with skincare on a larger scale, we would love to hear all about it. Kate, I, I can talk to you about skincare for hours. So you've opened this door and it's your own fault. Um, I will say I'm, excited I'm not to be here. <laughs> I'm not loyal to any particular brand. I try lots of things, but I have a very long routine. So there are two things that I'm loyal to. One is Kula Sunblock because as a brown person, it doesn't make my skin white or gray. So Kula Sunblock, excellent. Um, and there's a company called Pink Moon that makes Ooh. a gua sha oil that is like, you're not going to like this word. I don't know. Maybe you will. I don't know you that well. Uh, it makes your skin really feel luby. Ooh, so I like if that you word. Washa, I, I guess it makes me a little uncomfortable, but it moves <laughs> up your skin in a nice way that feels plumping. Um, every day I use, gosh, how many steps are there? I use rose face spray. Like the Heritage. Do y'all know the Heritage? Oh, yes, yes. A the rose water and glycerin. Yeah, it's like $8. So it comes in yep. a giant bottle. It's the one yep. with the glycerin. So I owe every day and night I use that. Uh, I will have one or two or three serums. Depend. I don't know that any of this is doing anything, but 
nonetheless, I have many serums. Then I will use a moisturizer of some sort. I have three jars currently open and a lot of backup. Uh, I will always use an eye cream and sometimes an eye serum. And then on top of that, I will use a face oil. And after one of the serums, I'll gua sha. I forgot to mention that. So there's a lot. There's a lot of skincare happening. And uh, I think it's self-care as much as it is actually doing any. I'm not sure it's doing anything for my skin, but it sure feels good. It takes me a while, though. I will say that. And I have a similar version of that at nighttime. It's a lot. I love as I that, said, though. I have cats. I got cats, yeah. y'all. Yeah. I have cats. <laughs> But I, I like the, you know, like what we've, we've talked a lot about like skincare and our participation and beauty culture and, and like what this all means and all these like problematic things that we're yeah. still a part of, but also we like it because it feels good. And I think it's, I think focusing on the ritual element, as you were mentioning yes. earlier, earlier, like the sensory experience is, can be really grounding and powerful. And those are the things that I think as I, continue to examine my own participation and enjoyment of skincare is like, that's, that's mm-hmm. where I, I want to keep leading myself. Uh, and I feel the like, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. And, and the way it kind of can nourish your physical yes. and, you know, sensory experience, I think is really powerful. So I think that's what I hear you kind of, kind of getting yes. at a little bit. And, and if the, you know, this is a micro joy in and of itself, I think that really started for me in a very big way during the pandemic. Yeah. Because we had so much free time. Like, right, like right. what am I going to do with all that? Couldn't go anywhere. Like, more so when we were still in quarantine, where I just was doing a lot of face masks and all kinds of things. And it's, it's stuck. So kind of alongside being isolated and alongside all of these other things happening in the world, somehow, you know, these rituals were started. So skincare for me is a, is a big part of my, my world. Well, Cindy, it's been an, such an absolute pleasure to get to talk to you. Um, Microjoys, I should say, Microjoys, finding hope, especially when life is not okay. I love that full title. Um, and it's just a wonderful, really special read um, that I'm, I think our listeners are going to love. That's out on the 28th of February. But can you also tell folks where else we can find you? Yes, you can find me on my website where I never hang out, but I am in fact there, <laughs> at least a picture. Um, also on Instagram, I'm there more than I want to be. And you know, when I'm out and about on tour, please come visit if if folks are anywhere in the tri-state area or in Palm Springs when I'll be there. Ooh, Ooh. field trip. Ooh, maybe we need to take a little road trip. Yeah. <laughs> I would be mad. Place. I yeah. would not be mad. <laughs> I love Palm Springs. Please you do. Can't, please can't do. go wrong. Uh, <laughs> Cindy, thank you again. It's great to have you. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you both. Thank you both. Hmm. Well, that was fun to get to talk to her. I really appreciate this concept of a micro joy. Yes. Yes. These small moments Same. that I feel like I and we, you know, I mean, we've talked about this, but like, I feel like I miss and how, how to kind of train the eye, the mind's eye to experience those micro joys and like appreciate them for what they are. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, Kate, speaking of micro joys. <laughs> oh boy. 
How did your big medicine cabinet clean out go? I mean, it's been great for me. I have whittled down what I'm using on my my products. It's very basic. And that's that. That's amazing. And my my skin feels great, which is what I wanted because I tend to veer into like dryness and flaky territory often. Mm. So I now have products that I have cleaned out that are like half used that I'd like to give to friends who want might want to try something or, you know, use something. So I need to kind of go through that clean out process. But for me, streamlining what I am using and mm. not giving myself 50 million options that like flow onto my kitchen counter, not kitchen mm-hmm. counter, my bathroom counter is really nice. And I will say, I think as I have mentioned, the the core brand of this is Vanna Cream. I basically oh. I'm basically working through Vanna Cream products, La Roche Posay products, and CeraVe products. That's where I'm at right now in my okay. skincare product quest. And then my intention this week, um, so we are recording a little bit ahead of schedule. So this will have already happened, but I'm traveling this coming week by myself for work. And when I travel, I tend to get one like anxious about obviously contracting COVID or other viruses. um, And then just like travel, travel is stressful. There's a lot that goes into it. So I'm just trying to, I tend to do a lot of like last minute buying of things that I don't actually need. Mm. So I'm trying to really be a conscientious traveler this week in terms of bringing what I need and only what I need, not overstressing and, you know, taking care of myself as best I can while I head out on a plane. Okay. I like that. How about you? Thank you. Um, So last week I was going to finish my shoe clean out. I've made progress. I have not finished it, but I've made progress. I also did a bag clean out. Ooh, I need to, I want to hear more about this if that's okay. Yeah, I'll tell you off the air. Okay. Good. I hope so. Um, So that also feels really good. Like I feel, I do feel lighter. And uh, yeah, so I'm just, I'm being, I'm really trying to be honest with myself about what I use and what I don't. It's hard, right? Because a lot of things we acquire are not, I mean, most of the things we acquire are not out of need, but out totally. of some other desire. So totally. it, like, it's really examining a big chunk, like a our, chunk of our psyche when we look at these, look at items like this in our homes. Mm-hmm. Nice job, Dory. Does it feel good? Thank it feels you. good to kind of let those things go? It really does. Good. It really does. That's I, awesome. um, I brought some stuff to the Real Real, which mm-hmm. has a location in LA where you can like actually bring your stuff and you don't have to send it in. And when you bring in bags at the end, they like give you the estimates and then you have to sign something, but then you can, you, you don't have to leave your bags at that time. Like you, I think you have 30 days to like accept the estimate or whatever. Oh, and so, that's nice. And the, the handbag evaluator was like, are you like, do you want to sign now? Are you ready? Or, you know, do you want to think about it? Or what? And I was like, no, I have psychologically moved on 
from these bags and she just laughed. <laughs> she also pegged me as a Taurus. Really? Yes. That was Dude. wild. What? I was like, did she see my date of birth somewhere? But I don't think she did. I know. That's crazy. Yeah. That's very impressive. Well, wow. I, like I mentioned the podcast. And we were talking about that and we were talking about self-care. And then she was like, what do you like to do for self-care? And I was like, honestly, I could get a massage every day. And she was like, are you a Taurus? <laughs> <laughs> yep, I am. And I was like, how did you know? <laughs> Taurus, sun and moon, baby. All right. Yeah, um, you are you are a bull, a bull's bull. I'm a bull's bull. Um, so... This week, I'm going to try to avoid bedtime creep, by which I mean... I know it. I've been going to bed a little bit late, and I think it is partly because I've been drinking coffee too late in the day. So I'm not tired until like 11.30, which Mm. is way too late for me. Like, I should be lights out at 10.30. No later. Yep. I'm with you, and I've struggled with that. So... Even though right now I kind of wanted a cup of coffee, I'm not going to have one. Right Good now it's, work. it's almost 2.45 in the afternoon where we're, yep. we're recording this. But I need to, I you know, I think in the past my caffeine cutoff was 3 p.m. And then I went a couple years without drinking any caffeine when I, you know, when I was pregnant. And then after that, I stopped drinking caffeine. Um, and I only went back to it. I went back to it the week that Matt had COVID and I had to turn in my book. I was like, I, and I was taking care of Henry by myself. I was like, that was a rough week. I need caffeine. And then it was like, I was off to the races anyway. But I think in my head, I was still like, oh, I can drink caffeine until three, but like, I'm now older. I have a child. Like my life is different. And I don't think I can drink caffeine until three o'clock. Like I think 1 PM needs to be my cutoff. And I need to be, and here's the other thing, here's the other mind game I've been playing with myself is I've been, there have been times when I've like made a cup of coffee at three or I've like bought, you know, a coffee at three and then I'm like sipping it till four. Yeah. And like, that's way too late. Yeah. So I need to be done drinking the coffee by 1 PM. This is my new, my new rule for myself. And I think that will help me avoid the bedtime creep. Whew. Wow, I just said a lot more about that than I intended to, but good work. Thank you. That coffee. <sighs> well, Kate, this has been fun. And I just want to remind everyone that Forever 35 is hosted and produced by me, Dorisha Freer, and you, Kate Spencer, and produced and edited by Sam Junio. Sammy Reed is our project manager, and our network partner is ACAST. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.